0: All right, folks. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I am nationwide. I am worldwide. I am Travis, and this is Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubazoo Network. You can find out more on hubuzu.com. And as always, I appreciate the support from my sponsor, Joyce Asac of Asac Realty. Hi, this is Joyce Asak with REMAX Synergy. I am a real estate agent that
1: services the South Shore. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram by following Joyce Asak at Asak Real Estate or my website asakrealestate.com. You can also reach me directly at 508-942-7146. For any buyers or sellers that I'll be working with in 2019, a donation will be made in their name to 22Kill.
0: I'm on the move. I'm on the move all the time. And to get right to it, I have a special guest. And he is on the move all the time, which is really cool to talk to him. I am pleased to introduce the Secretary of Veteran Services for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Francisco Urena. Having served in the Marine Corps himself, Secretary Urena is literally every day on the move for veterans here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Welcome to Oscar Mike, Radio Secretary. Well, thank you so very much for the opportunity. So, I am literally nationwide and worldwide. This this is heard by people all over the world in different places, and even people here, even veterans here, are still kind of not sure what veteran services actually is. They don't know about it, which is surprising based on what I know, but I was curious if you'd start us off and kind of educate us about what you and your staff do for veterans here like myself in Massachusetts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Massachusetts does lead the nation when it comes to providing benefits and services to our veterans and not just those on the federal level like VA hospitals and mental health facilities and VA home loans and and all those great things that veterans have earned like the ability to go to school on the GI Bill, but we have a network of veterans who are veteran service officers mandated by law in every city and town. So in every one of our 351 cities and towns, there is one veteran service officer that acts as a veteran's liaison to all of our vets in the community. And so uh, what our office here does is uh, a level of reimbursement uh, to those communities on expenses that they have paid in financial assistance to those veterans and veteran families to the tune of uh, close to $100 million in some cases. It is a cost-sharing, 77 thereabouts, goes uh, from the community, and that 23, 26% is you know that balance that the community themselves expends. So they have skin in the game and, and an opportunity to truly make an impact and a difference on veterans who are financially challenged and need that hand up.
0: So you have veterans serving veterans, you have veterans serving in this, this commonwealth, one of the things I noticed before going to my next question is, it seems like, from what I've seen, that you really empower your veteran service officers to really advocate locally, which is different from other states. How, how does that work? Through the annual training that we
1: mandate and we certify these, so it's not just, hey, I'm a veteran and I'm going to go sit in this office in my town hall or city hall. Is a network of trained individuals who have deep best and latest information, any changes in the laws, any changes in programs, say the VA comes with a new uh, opportunity federally, we bring that into our training and in our mandate so that our veteran service officers are best prepared so that when somebody walks in that office, whether it be a widow or a veteran, and they come in asking for say a DD-214, we could then ask further on questions into what else can they and may be qualified. Because yes, there's still a challenge. It's not just here in Massachusetts that veterans don't know what they qualify for. Because most veterans don't join for, hey, I'm going to do this, then, and the other. There comes a time when they may be financially challenged and they may need uh, an opportunity. And those opportunities are then best derived locally. When you only travel three or four miles to go to your city hall, as opposed to three or four hours in some of the county systems that we have across the country, that becomes a challenge. And so that's why we really try to make it easy, accessible, and an aspect of a way that is dignified so the veteran doesn't feel that they're being disrespected or uh, just a, a sense of a local neighbor who's giving you that sense of
0: connection. True, true. And speaking of locally, one of the things that we attended in April was Scott Lobito's event about Veterans PTS in Weymouth, Massachusetts. And it was just amazing to see the town come around this event in a short amount of time. It was good seeing you there. I want to say a lot of people that I knew were like, wow, the secretary came out and, and, and was there. That was really great. I think. What comes to mind is, what are your thoughts about the kind of people that take the time to create an event like this? You
1: know, Scott Lobato is a special person, as you saw from that program. This is my first time meeting him. I, I've had connected with him. Oh, really? And, but the guy and his art display of those 22 art models in the shape of children that light up to the song that he played just was a, a very special time. And, and again, that was the local veterans agent that was at the helm. Of that locally to ensure that the community was aware of that. The Gold Star families were present, the focus on uh, connections of awareness. And for those two days that that display was there in Town Common, it, it was a sense of bringing awareness. And that was my presence there because suicide prevention is in, in one of my top priorities to ensure that we bring the resources to a veteran in need when he or she may need it uh, in their most dire
0: hour and the need seems to be there and seems to be constant so it was just great seeing a lot of times people have this this idea that politicians and political appointees are disconnected from the populace and and that's never been the case i've had vso after vso tell me hey you know I, I was allowed to try to do this thing, and Secretary Urena's office got behind this and made it work, and it allows me and empowers me to serve my fellow brother or sister. And that's just good to hear and see because I didn't join from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joined from Louisiana, great state, but they don't have the kind of, of footprint, not even Texas. To your point about the county um, situation, if you're in one of the West Texas counties, you might have to drive an hour or two just to see a guy and hope that he's there. So to have this locally is just something that I think is really unique and needs to be talked about. Or not talked about in the sense that it's a bad thing, but talked about, like, this is a model for the rest of the country, right. if not the world. Oh,
1: without a doubt. No, absolutely. Uh, and I think that is what we're so proud of here in Massachusetts. And when my peers hear about it, they say, how, how, how are you able to do this? And it goes back to the history of our state being one of the oldest ones in the country. And so before we were even a country there in French and Indian wars, there was an opportunity where widows – were given that sense of a veterans agent to work with locally in the smaller communities in which we had. And so that then became replicated. And as we forged this great state into our union, that model remained in our laws and now continue to be strengthened. Every time that we place a focus in hiring the best qualified veterans agent locally, that's done by city managers and, oh, really? and done by mayors. And then they let us know who these folks are. We give them the training to be able to continue to excel and and be successful locally, because there's no value of us saying, hey, come on down to downtown Boston. Every time we have an opportunity to talk to a veteran or a veterans program, we empower that veterans agent in that community to really, that's the takeaway.
0: No, you can see it. You can see it with the events they do and the support they get from the community, which leads me to my next question. I looked it up because around Veterans Day and Memorial Day, all of a sudden there are tons of events, not that that's a bad thing, But just as a matter of scope, there are 23,000 registered nonprofits in the Commonwealth, 501Cs or 501C3s. And out of those 23,000, about 1,000 of them, give or take, are registered veterans or military or some kind of, of service organization for veterans, whether it's a motorcycle club or a golf tournament, something. Why do you think so many in the Commonwealth take the time to do that? And do you ever see that as being a saturation point? What I'm trying to say is something is driving these people to do this, and it's not a bad thing, right? And do you see where we're having so many uh, of them for this size of the state? Do you see that as a, as a time where we ever might reach a saturation point where there might be too many? I think in the aspect of
1: nonprofits, you know, the, the our rules and laws and regulations allow for anybody who has a good idea and feel that they want to close a gap in government to create a nonprofit. Essentially, that's what nonprofits in in the sense are made. I've heard some figures that around the country, there are 45,000 veteran Nonprofits. So if you're telling that our number is about a thousand, it's somewhat proportionate to the rest of the country. And so there's a lot of passion, a lot of goodwill. People see a problem or perceive a problem and say, hey, let me go ask my friends and neighbors. And if we could give you a tax deduction uh, in in that aspect, why why don't we? And I think that's what generates, there's just a lot of goodwill. If the money wasn't there, if people weren't donating, those nonprofits wouldn't continue to be registered and to be successful. So for as long as people feel, that they're making a difference and those nonprofits are being run ethically, legally, and morally, then continue to be great partners. And we have many partners that we work with hand-in-hand. Uh, there are nonprofits for Gold Star Families. There are nonprofits for Flag Day. There are nonprofits for Veterans Day. There are nonprofits for our Soldiers' Homes. There are nonprofits for our state cemeteries. There are a lot of partners that we work with, again, very closely and sometimes in their best interest is to really listen from us what the true problems are and not the what the perceived problems are
0: so with that being said a lot of people i meet are civilians or former military and they want to do something and, and they're committed and they're passionate and they and they want to make change right and how does veteran services or how can veteran services because And the reason I'm asking this question is the person who goes to the VSO in their town and says, look, I, I want to do X, and gets that perspective, that context, that help, over time is more successful than the person who just, I'm here, I want to help veterans donate money to me. So I guess my question is, how, how does that veteran service officer help or augment that individual wanting to make change? Because that's a very different kind of mission focus than helping the veteran. But I know several VSOs who have taken time out of their day to say, okay, I think you should do this. Or to your point, the need is there. How, how does that work? Veteran service officers are one of our
1: key partners. They are municipal employees and they are the door to open when it comes to accessing benefits and services, but not just for the veterans. We always, and one of my main talking points when I'm in a community is that I remind them that the veteran service officer is also there for those who haven't served. And what do I mean by that it is an opportunity for they always have a project in mind, whether it's Veterans Day, getting in Veterans Month, what has really grown here in Massachusetts, whether it's Memorial Day, Memorial Month or preparing to like they just did this last month in May, decorating every veterans graves across the state in every local cemetery. It is a state law that is required to place a new American-made flag in those graves. So that is the opportunity for somebody who wants to volunteer. And in those relationships, in those hours that you spend walking through a cemetery scouting for that veteran's grave in what may not be a veteran section, you're able to then have those passionate conversations about how to make a difference and what the challenges are. So those veterans agents, again, they're neighbors in those communities that know best What are the the local needs? And again, not standing, say, in... Brighton in right. a neighborhood in, in Boston talking about what's happening in Worcester is truly, hey, this is what's going on in our, in our neighborhood, in our streets, and in our veterans community. And this is how a true difference can be made.
0: Everything is based on the VSO being empowered, being trained, being certified, and being aware of the problem. So that kind of leads me to a different kind of question. What makes Massachusetts so unique in this space versus other states that you would think would be more proactive in veterans' needs? Again, I say that because having lived in other states, I've lived in Arizona, I've lived in Louisiana, I've lived in Texas, been to California. I moved here, and it was made very clear to me by you know the, the, the town, VSO, of what my capabilities and options were. I didn't have that anywhere else. And I know it's, it's law, but it seems like from day one, this is something that you all really believe in. When I say you all, from yourself down to a VSO of a small community. And what drives that? That's not something that is done in a process document or a training. There's a real passion for that. And that's what I'm trying to tap into.
1: You know, it always goes back to, and you talk about being on the move. I remember the slogans on the back of Massachusetts, license plates, the spirit of America. And essentially, it's it's what drives so many VSOs as that sense of passion of helping veterans, helping veterans, that aspect of. Not seeing your fellow vet fall down and not giving him or her the, the hand up. And same thing for a veteran family, a Gold Star family, making their lives that much better. Our challenges here in Massachusetts are not a lack of resources. Our challenges are ensuring that we connect the veteran and the, and the population with the need that they may have. And that is, again, if somebody's telling you that you are to connect to your VSO, that's the best message we could ever deliver, because that's essentially what I want everybody to know.
0: Gentleman at Abington who got me, and God rest his soul, Paul Colantonio, yes, you know, Army top and told the E3 exactly what to do and expected it to be done when he saw me again. And that was the, really the, the interesting aspect. That's where I knew this, this got really personal. It wasn't like, you know, here's a checklist, see you later. I got a phone call a month later saying, hey, Marine, did you do? I'm like, yes, I did. (laughs) He he kind of put the fear of God me, but I needed that. I think a lot of veterans need that to kind of know that someone's there for them. So that started way back then and allowed me to have the success I have now. And it's nice to see this new generation of veterans doing the same thing for others.
1: Absolutely. But it's all part of the leadership and that leadership that you learn, whether for us in the Corps or for many others in in those branches of service, the sense of giving an instruction, following up, and seeing that develop uh, through. So, you know, it is, you talk about your experience with T.O.P., and I remember of every other veteran, we have so many special veterans here in Massachusetts, whether part of our network or not, that at the end of the day, want to see their fellow veterans uh, not find themselves in, in an aspect of a deficiency that they can't
0: grow out of. So what is going on for your department in 20 or 2021 mm-hmm. what do you see the future being like
1: uh, look, we're still strong at what we do. We're still strong at connecting veterans and families with uh, focus. We One of my major aspects is uh, reducing homelessness. And in, in some communities, we have been successful at ending it by meeting some of the federal definitions to achieve just that. Uh, we are working on the soldiers' homes, both yeah, in Chelsea and in Holyoke. We are in the process. We just uh, are expanding the campus, building a, a new state-of-the-art, VA-approved. We were just just awarded out of $200 million that the Commonwealth placed forward, The 65% matching grant from the VA so that we could start tapping into reimbursements uh, for such programs. So that's going to be 154 long term care rooms that essentially goes back into this historic campus, which we have in Chelsea Mass, just eight miles north of Boston, which dates back to the Civil War. Now, not for lack of resources or lack of passion, great care goes on there. But Governor Baker and our administration made it a a point to bring veterans to the forefront and to give a, a longevity for that campus. So when building this new building, we're expanding the lifespan of that campus for another 50 or 60 years. So personally,
0: when you are in, involved with all this from a professional level and working with the people you work with, what's the personal feeling or satisfaction you get from serving this capacity?
1: Uh, you know, every day that I come to work and every day that I am able to empower those that are making a difference is, is a special day. And there hasn't been uh A a challenge that I see is too great because, again, that passion of veterans that they already have, the teams that we have, whether veterans or not, folks here at at our Department of Veteran Services come to the forefront, come to work to to make that difference. They know that they're helping those who at any time wrote a check uh, to our country up to and including their lives. And in some cases, we help those whose checks have been cashed. We help those Gold Star families. We have about 1,200 Gold Star families in our network who receive a financial compensation from us, which is part of an annuity program, again, unique to Massachusetts. We help another 14,500 veterans who are 100% service-connected with another bonus or annuity that they receive from us, again, unique to Massachusetts around the country but is a focus and it's not just hey here's your thousand dollars every six months is here's your sense of connection community these are some of the programs available to you how else can we help you get your life together and be as uh, successful in your transition as a veteran in our commonwealth for as long as we can have you here
0: at the end of the day when you go home or you go out in the community it, it's a good day
1: absolutely and we continue to do it time after time. And it is a very rewarding opportunity that I have and a sense of trust among our veterans and a sense of trust among our Gold Star families and supporters to be able to deliver the best benefits and services that our country and our Commonwealth and our communities can.
0: We're, we're winding down. It's been a great time so far, but I got to ask, you we were going to talk about the Bruins. <laughs> but let's, let's let's leave that behind. I am not a Bruins fan. I'm a Blackhawks fan. But when the Bruins in the playoffs. I tell my kids I'm a Bruins fan. So we're going to leave that behind. But I understand that you've really gotten into the sport or or pursuit of rowing, which leaves me all kinds of questions about that because You know, I'm not a small guy, and you're not exactly a small guy. How do you fit in one of those things to actually make it go? So I'm an ocean kayaker.
1: Really? And it's called, uh, the term for the craft is called a surf ski. It's about a 22-foot long, 18 inches wide. So our shoulders are definitely wider than the boat. And, And how you make it stable is really by being on the go being on the move, it's like a paddling bicycle? forward in a sense. Yeah. If you, if you just sit on the bicycle, it's going to fall. Same thing in a ski. If you just sit on it, you're just going to tip over one way or the other. And so the, 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 the way I got into the sport was as a veterans agent in Lawrence, when I came home, it gave me the ability. There's so much healing that happens on, on the water, whether you hear a trickle of water, a rainfall, a downspout, or a kayak or a sailboat move, there is a sense of healing of, of being really? in and over the water, at least for me it is. And for some people it's yoga, for some people it's exercise, for others it might be going to the bar and, and, and having that sense of of connection. But for me, being on a kayak, being on on a, on a surf ski really is, there's no other feeling like it. And so I've done some local races uh, here in Massachusetts.
0: We you can speak. race them?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, That's essentially is. There is a circuit in um, New England, it's called New England Canoe and Kayak Racing Association, and every month in the summertime there might be three or four and sometimes seven different races and then there's also a circuit for the surf skis it usually happen on the ocean or open water one is in Gloucester goes around Cape Ann that's 19 miles uh, I've done some uh, races on on different p- parts of Massachusetts which really gave me exposure to the state before I was in this role and I've done and I'm hosting and I uh, get you know gatherings of of The same like-minded folks that are into the sport. I've done some training on my own where I crossed the Cape Cod Bay from, Um -uh. yes, (laughs) from, say, situate to uh, Provincetown.
0: Thank you for your time, Secretary Urena. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I really appreciate the perspective you've given those people who asked me from out of state. What are VSOs? What do you all do? Why is Massachusetts so different from my state? And I hope they can find out why and maybe advocate locally in their state or their area for veterans more effectively.
1: Absolutely. And listen, we're so very proud of all the veterans who are listening to this podcast now and for their service to our country and for those active duty military who may be thinking of transitioning. You know, one of the things I remind anybody who's not from Massachusetts is that we don't tax retirement pay. So if you made a career in the military at any time, feel free to uh, come in and join us. But if you really want to make a difference, that difference is made locally. And whether it's through our nonprofit or whether it's through our veteran service organization, uh, continue to give a veteran a hand up. And it may just be a veteran in your family family, or your your friends of networks, there's always an opportunity to make a difference. And again, it's not for a lack of resources. It's lack of connection to those people in need.
0: Well, this winds down this podcast. I want to say thanks again, Secretary Arena and his staff for setting this up. Certainly enjoyed this time. We're on the move. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Travis. Thank you.